0: This week's episode of Something Positive for Positive People is supported by Dating Positives, the dating platform that is catered to you to find love, sex, romance, friendship, and community at datingpositives.com and it doesn't stop there guys Dating Positives also has a blog W-A-X-O-H which is called Waxo and it provides resources on sexual health and wellness and the latest on lifestyle and culture Don't forget, Dating Positives is still sponsoring that anonymous voicemail line for you to call and put your thoughts out there about what it is that you're looking for or hoping for romantically this holiday season Our latest caller is hoping for I try to celebrate every holiday that comes around. So I'm looking for someone who's ready to have fun, relax, have a great time, and is ridiculously allergic to pine. Like, looks at it, that's it. They're doomed. Because what is love if not sharing allergies? I 100% thought that that person said uh, they were looking for someone who's allergic to pie when I first heard it. So, just to elaborate, they said pine. And that makes more sense with the allergy. So I'm probably the only person out in the world that thought that. So you can call and get involved with the conversation as well. It's safe. It's fun. And it's completely anonymous. So that number for you to call in is 833-YASLOVE. That's Y-A-S-L-O-V-E. And that phone number again in all numbers is 833 927 Five, six, eight, three, and leave a voicemail response. And again, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you're more than welcome to just fire over a DM to Dating Positives on Twitter or Instagram and let them know what you're hoping for romantically this holiday season. So join the conversation. Get involved. It's something that's just lighthearted and fun. And we're hoping to get some more that we can play on this podcast. So I'm looking forward to hearing more of these messages and sharing those with you guys. So that number, again, is 833 Yes, love That's 833 927 5683. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a story of people who have gone through various forms of adversity and somehow made it through it or are thriving through it. And they present their stories of what the challenge was and how they were able to navigate through that challenge and leave us with a few takeaways to take into our lives. I know a lot of times we don't get to hear from people who are like us, (laughs) on like a financial level, or um, a level of fame, or influence, or status. So what I wanna do is just begin incorporating more of these stories of people who are facing some sort of a life challenge and how they're able to navigate through it in practical ways that we can all apply to our lives. So this is something that we're doing just to switch it up for you guys as the listener so that these are things that you can apply to your own life as they relate. So today I'm here with Jewel. How you doing, girl? I'm doing
1: well. How are you
0: today? I'm well, I'm well. And I never got to ask you, what are your pronouns? Yes, I love
1: that. She, her...
2: Too.
0: Cool, got <laughs> it. One, All right. So the conversation we had was strictly about HSV. <laughs> and um, I didn't get to tell you this, but this is the first time I'm announcing it publicly. But I'm making the podcast more about what I talked about in the intro, just being about some sort of a life challenge, because while STIs are... A particular life challenge or a traumatic event the takeaways from those and listening back through episodes of this podcast I'm figuring out that you can interchangeably use herpes with any other sort of life challenge that makes you step back and evaluate whatever your situation is and then by the end of it you're left with a positive (laughs) uh, end result or situation like you're left with some form of perspective that allows you to go out into the world with a more positive view and you look back at that event as something that propelled you into that situation so yay you're just as surprised as everybody else is <laughs> that this is not just the STD podcast anymore your challenge in particular was in fact dealing with a herpes diagnosis right
1: yes 2006 I was diagnosed okay a herpes I didn't know until like recent years that you can also have hsb1 in the general region as well my doctor never did the test to kind of figure out which one
0: it was so you just knew you had herpes genitally, right yeah. mm-hmm. what was going on around that time were you having an active outbreak did someone tell you hey you should go get tested what happened there
1: no, I was having an active outbreak actually during sex. It was super painful. I'm like, yo, you got to stop. I don't, something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. And I went to my gynecologist maybe like a day or two later. He looked at it and he was like, yeah, I think this is herpes. I was like, uh.
0: Just all nonchalant, just like yeah.
1: that? Totally nonchalant. He gave me a topical cream to put on and he was like, go look up, you know, go research on the internet. And that was about it.
0: Oh, wow. All right, so after you leave the doctor's office, what's happening in your head?
1: I was in shock. Really, I was in shock. And you know what's kind of crazy? Not until I reached out to you and had been listening to your podcast and was going back, recounting my history with herpes, did I think back? I actually had HPV as well, like a year before I was diagnosed with um, HPV, and my cervix had to get scraped. So it was like a huge blow a year later to have another... STI and I was just in like complete shock
0: and we don't talk about that a lot on this podcast and a lot of guests always say oh well it's so common you know I got it removed and that was that
1: yeah for me it was that simple I have have friends also that dealt with it in the past that I honestly can't even recount their stories it's been so long ago but my doctor was like okay so we can we can scrape this off it was uh, we didn't have to go to like, I was in his office, and I, there was no anesthesia or anything. He just, like, froze the cells, and it was just that simple. And I've never had an abnormal pap smear since then. It was not something that I often think about it until I was started writing. I was like, oh, shoot, I, I did have HPV, too. And yeah. I, I don't know, maybe still have, because, again, I didn't do much research after that. I don't know if those cells still stay within your body. I don't
0: know. But you haven't had any issues with it since no. you typed me a very, very well-written email, so well-written that when I was like, man, how long is this? It it, it was like, all right, I'm going to call her so we can talk about this. In that email, I saw a lot of different things, but what stood out to me the most was, and this was closer to the end, just so you know that I was actually reading it. You mentioned some non-disclosures, right? Yes. So there were situations where um, you were aware that you had HSV and you did not disclose to people, correct? Correct. Now, before I go any further, is this the first time you've talked about this?
2: Yes.
0: Do you feel comfortable with us continuing this conversation on this platform? Yes,
2: 100%.
0: All right, because I got questions. (laughs) I'm curious to know what made you include that in the email, because it didn't really seem relevant to you just feeling compelled to share your own personal experience. I think it is relevant. I mean, you know, some could argue that
1: maybe none of us would be. In this situation, or living with this type of STR, any type of STIs, if our partners had disclosed. So I think the non disclosures are just as important as the disclosures. And
0: <laughs> I'll be completely honest like, the title of the email that I sent to you is Body Count. So I'm going through the count, like. Oh, that's um, why it was called Body Count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Body Count was the name of your yoga practice or something. Wow. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Keep going. Like, oh, shoot.
1: Well, the count is getting kind of high as to the ones that I didn't disclose to. It's part of the story as well. It's my
0: truth. So we're using this as an opportunity for us to educate and inform based on your experience. I want to know what goes through your mind because I know people who haven't disclosed and I know people who are in denial about having not disclosed. And then as someone who's not disclosed before, I've made excuses up in my head that these lies were completely justified in my own world, like in my space. It's like, all right, I don't have to disclose because dot, dot, dot. Is this kind of what the similar experience was for you? How were you able to get through the act of being intimate with someone without having disclosed to them?
1: to some extent because I did go on antiviral medication almost immediately. I already had a weakened immune system. I have lupus. I've been living with lupus since I was 12 years old, 35 now. So that also made me more susceptible to the STIs that I contracted. I think I was of the mindset, well, okay, i um, on antivirals. I'm taking and I'm reusing condoms, so I don't have to disclose. At that time when I was first diagnosed, I was dealing with this man who I was just so smitten with and we were just so not a compatible match and again going back reading my journals and preparation for all this and writing my email to you I completely forgot that he had a girlfriend at the time that we met I didn't know but I found out later and so I was diagnosed while we were still dealing with each other and in my head you know if I disclose that he's not going to want to deal with me anymore and you know I'm going to be all alone by myself and nobody will want me you know the things that we all say to ourselves, which we know are not true, but at the time, like, that's what it truly felt like. So I kept it to myself. We weren't exclusive. So I was dealing with other men as well. And when I say dealing with sleeping with, we come from a small town in Long Island, so kind of everybody knows each other. And one of the guys I did one of my very first disclosures, I told Kay. Kay is like, okay, well, did you tell M? I said, no, I haven't told him yet. He's like, all right, well, if you don't tell him, I'm going to. And I just I just froze, I got so scared. I'm like, no, you can't tell my truth, you you just can't. This is my story to tell, I, you can't. I just panicked and freaked out. So the next day I called K back and I lied and I said, uh, the doctor made a mistake, I don't actually have herpes, so don't worry about it, you don't have to tell him anything. And he's just like, all right, he accepted that as fact. I was like, whew, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> yeah. got that one out of the way um so em and i continued to deal with each other for almost three years but towards the end because you know we weren't exclusive i had wanted it to be exclusive but it just was never going to be that this was at the time of myspace so he met this woman on myspace that lived in virginia he really wanted a child um and she had just had a baby maybe the baby was four or whatever months old i don't know but at the time where your uterus should still be healing post the kid so he knew she was fertile, and they started having a sexual relationship, and she got pregnant very on early on into their relationship. And I, forget, I think she contacted me on MySpace as well, and was like, you know, let's talk. We started comparing notes with this guy, and once I really figured out, like, oh, shit, this is a big deal, she actually is pregnant by him, I had to um, disclose to her, and I said, hey, listen, I have general herpes, you should get yourself tested for yours and the baby's sake.
0: I'm so glad you did that
1: yeah yeah i'm like well, oh, i can't have that on oh, my conscience, and that was kind of like you know what sealed the deal between me and m and i went back and later disclosed to him as well because obviously you know the girlfriend told him and he was sheepishly and was like well, yeah i
0: have it too we're talking about m here right yeah yes. all right so did m know his status already is it possible I, that I m, m transmitted him. it to you or did you transmit herpes to m
2: i believe he transmitted it to me Oh. Um, yeah.
0: So his yeah, response well, was like, Oh shit, you you got it now. Right. Was there further discussion with him?
1: No, that was pretty much the end of our dealing with with each other. Mm. He had like reached of course, you know, he wanted that old thing back after two months of me not speaking to him. So he tried to reach out again. We live in a small town so our palace were gonna cross, uh, regardless. But um yeah, that was kind of it for me.
0: Many people. Will stay in a relationship, a situation ship, a whatever ship, whatever kind of ship you want to call it, because they and that partner are now positive. Why were you able to walk away from that relationship rather than holding on to it like, oh, this is easy I'm positive, he's positive. We can just keep having sex.
1: It wasn't really a relationship. We weren't a good fit for each other. We really didn't spend much time with each other outside of the bedroom. We didn't talk about anything. We were just at two completely different points in our lives. And it just wasn't a good fit. It also worked out that I got a really awesome job in Texas. And I got to move like two months after all the blow up with his um, ex-girlfriend. So I got to start fresh and leave kind of leave all that behind in New York or so I thought.
0: So you thought? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, leave the drama behind in New York. But I guess in some frame of mind, I was still in denial about having general herpes. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm moving to Texas, I'm from New York, I don't want to get involved with anyone down there. Seriously, I'm just down there for work. So it was okay to if dating casually if I was having sex with men, still using my antivirals and condoms, and it was okay, I didn't have to disclose. Okay. That was kind of my thought
0: process. Was there any other medical advice that you were given, or were you aware that condoms don't protect you from contracting herpes at this point in time? My doctor gave
1: me zero information. Whatever I found was on the internet, and I did see that on the
0: internet, but it was just like, ah. You... Now having tested for tested positive for genital HSV in pursuits of new partners, did you ever have the sexual health talk at all? Was there ever a hey, do you have SCIs conversation in at all? There were a few conversations like that. Well, a couple of
1: conversations like that when I was still in New York. Um, before I had moved to Texas, um. But it was never, it was never an exchange. It was only me disclosing and not asking the men what their statuses were or, or, you know, for them to get tested or anything like that. It was only, I felt like the burden was only on me and that, you know, all of these guys were
0: clean, so to speak, although I don't like to use that phrase. Well, that's uh, what the phrase that they use. So, I mean, I right, try to right. encourage use of the word clear, yes. like clear from STI or positive test results. So... We can just try and stick with that if that's something. I mean, if you say clean, it's okay. We know what you mean. But I'll just clean up this podcast and make sure we delete that. I like that
1: phrase better. We're going to go with clear. I like that.
0: Cool. All right. Now, so you're having these discussions with the guys, well, with some guys, um, and you're putting it first sometimes. Can I ask you what made you choose who to and who not to disclose to?
1: Well, while I was still living in New York, I, because I felt like you can't go into any situation wanting an honest, open relationship, and you're lying. So, or, well, yeah, it's a lie by omission, so you're lying. So the two guys that I did disclose to in New York while I was still living there, I wanted a relationship with them, so that was why I disclosed and um, wanted to be honest with about it.
0: And then for the guys that you didn't disclose to, were these like one night stands? Were these friends with benefit situations or what?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, There was one guy in Texas that I did actually um, continue to see for the whole entire two years that I lived in Texas that I didn't disclose. Um, And it was an interesting situation because when we first started, we met their mutual friend. And uh, when we first started hanging out, it was just cool, like, we were just friends, and then, you know, we started getting attracted to each other, and he said to me, he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm, he's used these, phrase, he used the phrase, so I'm gonna just repeat it, he said, I'm clean, and I don't have any kids, so, you know, I'm interested in having a sexual relationship with you or Abby, he phrased it, and in my mind, I was like, okay, well, you didn't ask me anything, so I don't have to tell you anything, Yeah. assume yeah. that I was in the clear, too. And again, I'm still relying on the fact that taking antivirals, I know we're going to use condoms.
0: So That's interesting because I think that many people may find themselves in that situation where it's like, oh, well, they didn't ask because that was and that was my mindset with a few women I didn't disclose to. I personally would just get drunk to not think about it or I would just keep myself out of a situation where it was like, all right, well, I don't want to have to disclosed so I'm just not gonna make a move or move forward in any interaction but in the few times where it was like here it is Courtney you want it or not it was like ah she didn't ask or it's like all right I had my precautions that I took it was like all right shower beforehand clean the area pretty good and then wear a condom and don't stick it all the way in like there were such like pain in the ass precautions to take and It just became easier to just deal with the potential rejection and then like have the guilt just not be there because in not disclosing, I personally felt like shit. It was like, damn. And at some point after starting this podcast, I had to go back and make some very uncomfortable text messages, phone calls and be like, hey, I got something to tell you. That leads me to my next question. Did you ever go back and disclose or after you had sexual encounters with these guys, did you go back and disclose later?
1: I did. I did. And I think at least one of those reactions led to me also not wanting to disclose once I left New York. Uh, I disclosed to my high school sweetheart right before I moved to Texas. uh, He was living in Pittsburgh. And I was like, all right, well, let me, I've never been to Pittsburgh before. Let's go, um, I'm going to visit you and hang out. And just, I just didn't think it was anything. This was years after high school, years after we have ever had a sexual relationship. I thought I was just going to hang out with an old friend, right? But his mindset was, well, you're coming to stay at my apartment, so you should expect to have sex. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay,
2: well,
1: I'm stuck here in Pittsburgh. I don't, this was like before GPS on the cell phones and so I didn't I was like okay well if I'm here I guess I have to do this I don't know how to get out of this so fine and again he was also the mindset well you're my high school sweetheart and we've had sex before so I'm not going to use condom I was like all right um you know whatever so I felt so bad that when I got back to New York I was also talking to um, one of my good girlfriends who she was in medical school at the time. And she's always been like the little, the little angel on my shoulder. Like, you know, you need to tell people, you know, you need to disclose because, you know,
0: you can still, um, I'm more concerned at this point about the level of consent though. I, I don't know how you feel about it. And if I'm ever feeling, making you feel interrogated or anything, please let me know. But I'm very, I, I feel weird, like maybe a little bit angry or frustrated that, he felt that he was able to say that to you like, well, you come in here and you stand with me. So you're going to give up the pussy is basically what I'm getting out of it that he yeah. said. Yeah. And for you to be in a situation where it's like, all right, I'm trapped. I'm either going to give it to him or and there was no or for you. You felt like you had to do that. This yeah. is diving into a completely different topic, but it's a very important topic. Did you feel safe?
1: I didn't feel unsafe because we've known each other since we were 15 years old, but it just, it, it, it creeped me out. I didn't like that conversation, and I didn't like the expectation that we had to have sex with because I was staying with him.
0: So you just, you felt like you did not have a choice?
1: Uh, I don't, no, I did not, I, I don't want to say that and like paint him in, in this light, but no, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like I had to.
0: All right, and like I said, if at any point when you listen to this, if there's stuff that you want to delete, it like we can do that. I just you know, I this think it's is important that it's we're very a important
1: because it is a conversation about consent, and I don't think that anyone should be expected to. Or, or made to feel like you have to have sex
0: with someone. Like, So I think it's important that we have this conversation and, and get into the nitty gritty of all that. Okay. I mean, I just don't know how to have the conversation, which is why I'm saying if at any point you feel, like, uncomfortable or something, we can shut this shit down immediately and talk about it and then pick it up from wherever we are. So don't feel like you can't tell me that. Okay. As a guy, as a 250 pound black man that's six feet tall, I don't think I ever have to worry about being in a position where I can't say no or where I feel like my body isn't my own with this situation having happened like I feel compelled to try and open up and ask like what it is that I could be able to do in order to help you to not be in this situation again or not allow for somebody else to be in this situation again and using this as a means of communicating what can be done to the rest of the world or whoever may come across this podcast. I want to know how I would be able to help as someone who cannot empathize or cannot be in that situation. How can I, as someone who has not been a sexual abuse, sexual assault survivor, and I know you don't want to classify the situation we were just talking about as being in that category, but um, to me, that that's what it sounds like, because you weren't given an option to say no. And from what you've told me, you weren't given an option to say yes. It was like you doing this and yeah. you just had to go along with it because you didn't feel any you didn't have any other options. You felt yes and
1: no, because there were yeah, I was thinking about it too. Like there were other options, like why? If I really didn't feel that comfortable, I could have called my mom, I could have called a friend, but I didn't. I just stayed there and kind of went along with it. So to your question, how can men kind of stay away from this type of behavior? I would say, ultimately, just know that you don't have a right to anyone's body other than your own. I was listening to, I think it was this expectations episode literally right before we started recording this and I thought it was really interesting how the woman on that episode, she was saying, you can get really creative about consent, like make it a form of foreplay. Like, can I do this to you? And you almost have to kind of ask for consent every single time. Like, just because you've had sex with someone before, that doesn't automatically mean he or she has consented through, you know, infinity. Like that does, it doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah. So in, in closing, consent is not ongoing. Um, uh, like just because you receive consent, on saturday night doesn't mean you got consent on sunday morning right. <laughs> or into the yeah. following yeah. weekend or just because you had received consent in high school doesn't mean that at your retirement party <laughs> it still applied right right
2: yeah
0: uh, so wrapping that up we're just saying like as supporters of women and bringing awareness and inspiring some sort of action behind the topic of consent. As men, it is important for us to receive verbal consent and understand that at any given point, consent can be taken away. I know in the locker room and stuff, like this was kind of how we talked. You'd be like, oh man, you know, I expect it. If she coming over here, flying all the way out here, like it's expect, that's not consent. (laughs) Like that's, and that would almost be like our sense of what foreplay would be. The foreplay is, oh, yeah, you're going to come out here. Oh, yeah, you're going to stay with me. And it's everything but asking for consent to your body for foreplay, for kissing, for penetration, for oral, whatever type of sex or kink or intimacy at all that is about to take place. Damn. I really don't know how to close that. And I, I, I want it to be concluded where there's something to take away from that for people outside of what men can do. And I don't know the right language to use. So I'm thankful that you've given me the space to say the wrong shit, if it's the wrong shit and ask these kinds of questions about it, because I know it's important. I know it's something that needs to be addressed and talked about. And that's a situation that as you were talking, I was like, whoa, that's fucked up. But that's not something that most men would view as sexual assault or sexual abuse. It's like it's coercion. I got you here. And now you're in a position where you have to do the easy thing, which is to just stay here and let me do whatever I want to you. Or you can do the hard thing, which is call your parents and explain to them, hey, I flew out to see this dude and I thought we were just going to be hanging out, but he wants to have sex with me and I don't have anywhere else to go. Can you help me? You don't want to have that conversation. And I I get it. I understand.
1: And I thought about it before I took the trip, too, because I wanted to disclose to him, but I wanted to do it in a safe space. And I didn't feel like his apartment in Pittsburgh was a safe space to do it. in. so I thought, okay, well, we could just hang out as friends. And I wasn't expecting that
0: at all. He said this disclosure didn't go well, right? No. Okay. So when did you finally decide to disclose to him? So you had sex unprotected at his house and then you went back home.
1: Yeah. So I went back to New York and maybe like a day or two later I called him and I said, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I have genital herpes and I wanted to tell you you know, before we had sex again, but wasn't quite sure how to.
0: Part of me is like, fuck you dude. Uh, You didn't give me a choice, so here you are.
1: Uh, So he took a moment, he hung up on me and was like, alright, I'll call you back. And he called me back and just went straight flip mode, like
0: Well, what could he have said? It's like, you didn't give me a choice. I thought I was coming here to hang out. And here we were. To
1: date, this is the worst disclosure response that I've ever had. And I almost regret sharing this on the podcast because I don't want newly diagnosed people to think that this is really how it is. He had the worst response ever. It's so interesting that you kind of latched onto the consent issue of this whole trip but the one thing that stuck with me was his response to the disclosure. He told me that my babies would be born deformed and just like any hateful, hurtful thing that you could say and by the end like I was just in tears like you know what I'm not going to take any more of this verbal abuse that's it I'm done like we don't have to speak anymore.
0: And this was your high school sweetheart so to yeah. speak. Yeah
1: like wearing each other's prom pictures and all like I can't even look back on high school and not wow. <laughs> see my face. So yeah The worst disclosure response ever.
0: Did you guys have any communication after that?
1: We did. We did. We've still been in contact um, all these years later. And I'm grateful that I wrote this in my journal because that was the one thing that I just latched on to, that just negative, nasty comment. But I went back and read my journal years later, and he actually did call back and apologize. The apology I do not remember at all. But he called back and apologized and I encouraged him to go get testing and he's like Well for what? I probably have it anyway And I don't to this day I don't know that he ever got tested. Wow. That was how that went down. We connected recently. We've been friends on and off throughout the years. He's since been married, has a son, and he's like Did his oh,
0: did his baby come out deformed? Yeah, <laughs> I know that was about, know,
1: about that, that. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: <man gave> me. <laughs> All right. When people say mean things like that, I mean, it angers me because you're defenseless. And I think that that may be my one pet peeve. Like you can come at me all you want. It's like, all right, you can say whatever you want to say. But if it's not true, then it shouldn't bother me or shouldn't hurt me. But what bothers me is when bullies attack people who can't defend themselves or just aren't in the psychological or emotional state. To be able to defend themselves or that get broken down and hurt by words or the actions of others. Nothing pisses me off more than that. That's why I'm making passive aggressive comments throughout this podcast about this dude. All
1: good. I I appreciate your response because I feel like your response is the normal response to this. And mine is just like, "Ah, whatever. I just kind of... Just accepted
0: it. Well, you know you don't have to. I'm surprised y'all still friends, to be honest. But some people are better at forgiveness than others and moving on and letting go. Good for you for being able to do that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think just because of the fact that, like, he was one of my very
1: first... Is he my first boyfriend? I think he was my first ever boyfriend. Okay. Like, yeah, they're... There is that
0: attachment to it. so -hmm. And, like, I I adore his mom and all that. So, like, whenever I go back home, I still see his mom. Thank you for your response. I try. But, like I said, it makes me mad. And sometimes it just slips out. The anger comes out in its own way. Back to the disclosures or non-disclosures. Was there ever a point where you were like, okay, I need to start disclosing to people going forward? You said you had a friend who was in your ear who was like, you need to disclose, you need to disclose.
1: We were living in two different states at the time, so we were mostly, like, communicating through email, but she's been one of my closest friends since high school, and she's now a doctor, so that's, like, that's what I'm saying, like, she was in medical school, like, knowing all the facts, telling me that I need to disclose, so I kind of just,
0: like, ignored those lines of her email, and just kind of left it at that. At what point did you decide, or has the point come where you decided, I'm going to always disclose, going forward, I'm going to be a discloser.
1: Yeah, that point has come because I'm 35 now, and Uh I want a committed relationship. I want to be married. I want to have children, and I just know I can't have that if I'm not disclosing and being open and honest with my partner. So that point came.
0: Well, how long ago? Because you've had HSV for 12 years?
1: 12 years
0: now. Okay. The last time you did and didn't disclose, how recent were those times? Oh, shit, you ain't about to say last night, are you? <laughs> All right, because I was going to say, you told me you worked last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, the last, oh, man, you going
1: to make me
0: be real honest. We talked about this, just... and I think that it's important to understand that while it's a very uncomfortable conversation, uncomfortable topics have come up, too, about consent, sexual abuse. This is what it looks like to have a conversation. There's no perfection and we're talking. So it's not like we're typing back and forth to one another where I can Google the right response to this thing and you can take a minute and think, well, what does he want to hear versus what do I tell him? There's none of that happening right here. This is a real exchange of conversation. This is real. And people don't get to experience this. And I think that that's something that contributes to the challenge of talking about consent, the challenge of men being aware of what sexual abuse, sexual assault looks like, and understanding our role in this. Women, to be able to see, I've been in that situation before. I was sexually assaulted. I felt like I couldn't say no. Anybody who can relate to your story or anyone who hears this and now has a, a broadened or expanded perspective from both your point of view and then my point of view as someone who Has no idea what this is like, but we're trying to create a bridge between us of communication that allows for us to understand where the other person's coming from and be able to have this conversation later. And for the participants of this or the observers or the listeners of this conversation to be able to take this into whatever conversations they go into later that may be uncomfortable. So this is how you have it. I mean, you create the space where it's safe, and I've offered you plenty of opportunities to, at any point, like if this episode goes live as is, it was because you consented to it going live. Cool.
1: I was so blessed in my career that I was able to move throughout the country. So after I left Texas, I was laid off, but that created space for me to move to L.A., which I had wanted to move to my whole life. So uh, the two men, shit, no.
0: Wait, are we talking about the last time you disclosed or didn't disclose?
1: Well, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm getting okay. there. But I'm just <laughs> going to say. So in L.A., it was disclosure. It's not disclosure. It's cool. Well, not cool. But then moved to Chicago. And by the time I was in Chicago in 2014, I was like, I really want a committed relationship. I don't want to keep doing this. So that was my point on when I said, yes, I'm going to disclose from here on out. Fast forward until. 2017 I think it was I reconnected with uh, a friend of mine from college and we had always had this attraction to each other we graduated from college in 2005 and so I was like okay well you know now we have the opportunity we're closer to the same city so I was on a visit home to New York and we had been like um, I forget what the kind of kids call it the sex
0: thing with via text. Y'all were sexting. That was it. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. <laughs> what the kids so, call it. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to his house. I, I know, like, I was ready to, for
0: it to go down. So consent was given. Consent
1: was given. Okay. And his response, oh, so that's supposed to make, is that supposed to make me make not want to fuck you? I was like, oh. It's
0: like <laughs> oh, oh, this was after you disclosed. Right,
1: right, okay. right. It's Like, okay, yes. Yeah, so we're in there. So, um, but yeah, that relationship didn't come together the way that I wanted it to, and the, all you know, the, our friendship is almost off but fizzled out. But in that time frame, also, like while I was in Chicago, I also made the decision that I don't want to share my body with people who don't want to be in a relationship with me so I was trying to be celibate so I would go for like a year stretch without having sex with anyone and then meet someone who I thought could possibly you
2: know happen with so I was on stretches for like a year of not having sex so
1: So that was cool and I, I met some really good dudes had some really great conversations and was connecting on a different level with men and I really enjoyed that so when things went left with this friend in 2017, that kind of set me off on that path again to not, um, wanting to have sex with anyone. But then like me, (laughs) you know, I had an urge and uh, my birthday weekend of 2017 was really awesome. I was in a new city, moved back to the East coast. I'm now in Newark and, um, met this young man who I could just tell. He just wanted me. So, um, I didn't disclose to him, and that was, um, yeah, that was over the summer. We had, like, a little summer fling for a couple months.
0: That was it? You just didn't disclose to him? Did you end up telling him later, or the relationship no. just ended? I
1: didn't tell him later. He actually ghosted me, so. Yeah, yeah, so there, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if the opportunity would have came up, would I have disclosed to him? because we were just at two different points in our life. He's much younger than me. I was getting my cougar on uh, for a bit, so. <laughs> I don't know. In my head, that was like the justification as well. Like, we're not really going to be in a relationship. This is just sex. So.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that he could have ghosted you because he ended up testing positive and maybe he had other partners and didn't know where it came from and was just like, oh, shit, I don't want to contact her anymore because I don't want her to know that I have herpes?
1: I don't think so. Because he reached out a month later and was like, I felt really wrong for ghosting you. He just has a lot of shit going on in his life. You know, when you're young, early 20s, you're still trying to figure shit out. And so I think that was more to do with it than anything.
0: Okay. So to date, are you aware of any partners that you may have passed herpes on to? Have any of your previous partners tested positive? As far any as of, you know.
1: Any of the ones that I've disclosed to, they've never told me, like come back and told me any of their test results. And then... Uh, There's one who I disclosed to after we had sex, like, years later. He did a little stint in prison, in federal prison. So he's like, yeah, they tested me for everything there, so, um, you know, I'm good. But he's also since gone out to have a baby and has a a girlfriend and all that. So I would assume that they're all in the clear. But no, no one has ever come back and told me Hmm. uh, one way or the other. But I also think, I don't want to generalize, but typically black men do not go to the doctor unless
0: something is wrong that's a man sure. thing <laughs> well,
1: okay, Yeah. Men in general. so i don't know that any of them have really been on top of their health like that or mm. you know really actively going to the doctor
0: from my experience with the guys that i talk to about this um even the ones that private message me we don't We can look down and see our genitals, whereas with women or people with vulvas, you may even have to look inside. Like, y'all have to go and get examined to make sure that everything's okay. And it's, what, every year or every six months or something like that? Whereas with guys, it's, oh, my dick's fine. Like, if I don't feel weird, then I don't need to go and get checked out unless I'm given a reason to. (laughs) Which, I mean, that's not right because there are things that can go unnoticed. By visual examination. Um, there are things that we could look at and be like, oh, if this doesn't go away in a few days and I'm fine, but it could not go away in a few days or it could get worse. And then like the physical visible symptom goes away, but everything else is still in your body and you can pass things on. We don't get tested often.
1: I will say there was one of my partner's I forget why I ended up disclosing to him, but years after we had had sex, and he was like, oh, I have it too, but he has oral HSV, and he never performed oral sex on me, so I don't think that he got it from me.
0: Okay. Did you get all your confessions out? (laughs) (laughs) You feel like you spoke your truth? Well, first off, I want to thank you for doing that. I want to say thank you for coming on here and being able to talk about this, especially in such detail. Thank you for letting me be or letting us be the first people that you've opened up to about this. And I, I can kind of feel... How you feel just in talking about it, just like your shoulders, your postures change. Like you just seem more loose now that you let it out there. But what's going to happen is when you listen to this, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I said that. I'm really grateful and appreciative for you doing this because it happens. And people who may not have tested positive for HSV or any STIs, they don't understand their role in the stigma. They don't understand their role in the risk of STI Exposure because while now you and I are aware of our STI status, it's made us have to be mindful of this. So, even where there were times where you may not have disclosed, there were times where you still brought up the conversation because of your own STI status. For the topic of consent, I think that it's important for everybody who's listening to get consent, give consent. You know, we like to say no means no, but I can't remember where I saw this. I believe that sex positive families posted this. It was that yes means yes. And that's what we need to be more mindful of. It's like, also I heard this before uh, on another podcast I listened to, if the answer isn't a hell yes, then it's a no. So we're <laughs> we looking for an enthusiastic consent giving yes. But um, I know how hard this was for you. I know how hard it was to talk about the first time I talked about having not disclosed and share my bullshit excuses and talk about having to go back and make those phone calls of like, hey, I'm doing this podcast now. Oh, by the way, I should probably tell you this before you hear it on the podcast. This is what I need to tell you. And fortunately for me, you know, the responses weren't tragic. Um, Those partners tested negative. So I I think I'm in the clear. (laughs) No one's hit me up and been like, you must beep. I say beep like we don't say motherfucker on this podcast. Like I said, I know people who don't disclose. I know people who um, are oblivious to their role in adding to people not disclosing because it's like people who make the herpes jokes. Those attitudes are what you fear being given to you after a disclosure. So you fear what happened to you with M, who you disclosed to, who hung up and called you and was like, Rada, 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 rada and giving you all that shit like that's what we're scared of that's what we don't want that's what we don't need for people to just make the assumption that they are clear or that they've been tested for everything like that's not the case the people who put us at risk are also contributing to that negativity those barriers are put up that make people think oh i can't disclose to this person or i shouldn't disclose to this person i know how hard that was for you to do and talk about so i thank you for it and i gotta tell you don't do that shit no more (laughs) through all of this disclosing not disclosing what have you learned uh i hope it's that honesty is the best policy
1: (laughs) (laughs) is the best policy but I, there's no but behind that honesty is the best policy i would say though the biggest takeaway for me though is to have more of a conversation and it's not just about me disclosing it's about having more of a conversation around my partner sexual health as well because then all of the men that i've disclosed to are not disclosed to i don't we've never talked about any of them get well maybe one one of them has ever told me about um him getting testing. I think at one point we shared our, shared our HIV uh, negative statuses and actually saw the papers. So that, that was only one. So, um, yeah, I think that's my biggest
0: takeaway that I want to have more of a conversation like that going forward. Yeah. All right. And despite the outside of the HSV, the disclosures and non-disclosures, um, and the conversation of consent, you know, what, who are you, what you got going on in your life?
1: Uh, man, so much, so much. So in all these bouncing around from state to state, I was actually working in the corporate fashion industry, chasing my dreams there. And I'm just so grateful that I had that time, that chapter in my life. But I was most recently laid off from Nike while I was in Chicago. And that prompted me to move back to East Coast to start my yoga business. So it's been a journey for the past year, not working full-time and trying to be self-employed on my way to entrepreneurship, but it's been a load off of my shoulders for sure. I'm not as stressed as I used to be. I mentioned earlier that I have lupus as well, and in dealing with lupus and living in all these different states and not knowing anybody there, that's what started me with my own personal yoga practice, and it's been... um, it's been transformative in how I manage my health and my own body so once I got laid off from corporate America I'm like I don't want to do that anymore I don't want to be so stressed and constantly sick and lupus flares all the time and now I can share with other people how when you de-stress you can manage your illnesses you can have better mental and physical health and you're truly just an overall better person for it.
0: Do you have any advice or anything that you want to give to anyone who may be on the fence about whether or not they should disclose?
1: Disclose.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do it. I was in a secret Facebook group for for a short while, for some months, and one of the women in there, she came up with this awesome way to disclose. I'm like, oh, I love that. I might have to try that in the future. But she actually wrote a script for her and her partner and it, was, it went through a whole storyline and towards the end of the story, that's when it got to the disclosure part. So it's just a really smart way. Like there's so many creative different ways that you can use to disclose. And in all of the, I think I disclosed successfully. I don't remember, maybe like 11 times or something like that. There's only been two or three guys that were like, no, nah, I'm not interested. So it you definitely lean more towards people that don't care or not so much don't care, but it's they don't really think of it as a big deal or it's not a reason to reject you. And if they do reject you for your herpes status or any STI that you might be living with, then that's probably not the person for you.
0: Well said. Do you want people to be able to find you? How can people find you if they want to? You don't have to give me that contact information if you don't want to.
1: It's all good. Okay. I don't, I, you know, it's it's interesting that I'm at this point right now in my life because a year or so ago, one of my girlfriends from high school—yeah, we had been friends since high school—she hit me up. One of her friends hit her up, it was like in tears because she had been exposed to her bees, and she wasn't even sure if she had it. And initially, I was like at work doing something when she told me, and I was like, sure, I give her my contact information. But then I thought on it a little bit, and I'm like, well, hold up how my name come up? And you just like, are you just telling my status to people? Like, how did that come up in the conversation? And she tried to explain how it got, like genuinely, she was just trying to help her friend and wanted her friend to have a resource. And I was just like, No, nah, that's not cool. So to this day, we still don't talk. But in that time period, I have been wanting a platform to speak on this because I know there's so many people living with this illness or anything any type of illness that you have and living with that shame like you really don't have to and there are people that you can reach out and talk to and you don't have to be behind the closet holding this on to yourself and if you can be a resource or help to someone else then by all means do it so people can hit me up at facebook on instagram at dropping jewels i probably need to spell that out (laughs) d-r-o-p-p-i-n-j-e-w-e-l-l-s
0: by all means, feel free to hit me up. All right. You open up the door for some of that backlash now. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm thinking about that. Like, do I need to call these dudes and let them know or have them
0: listen to this podcast episode? Well, here's the thing, too, about it is that, and I found this to be true, like when you are in a place where everybody knows, nobody can find out. Yeah. And then yeah. even then, you know, since I have opened up about having herpes, A lot of people have been able to find a resource uh, that they didn't have access to before. Friends of friends have referred people to me to give them support. They find a podcast or they meet me and they're like, oh, so what do I need to do? Like, we're able to give advice from experience because that's not something that's so available on the Internet. Yeah, we got... Google, you got WebMD, you got all the statistics and shit, but none of that is real to me. The statistics are always changing. The stats and the information is all based on people who don't look like me, don't live like me. You know, these, the people that they're finding in these focus groups and study groups are people who know about the study groups. I've lived with this shit for six years and I heard of one study group that I didn't qualify for when I called. They were like, oh, well, you need to have severe outbreaks. And it's like, okay, so is that what we're doing here? Like, are we actively marketing this as the worst possible thing that could happen to you? If that's the case, then we got got to do something different. So I'm hoping that all these experiences are able to connect with some people that resonate with some people and people are able to take something from this. Of course, it's not like a structured podcast episode. It's just a conversation about non-disclosure. I think Jewel, you got it. You're, you're gonna disclose going forward, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> All right, and then um, I also think that that'll help you with finding what it is that you're looking for. You I know, think so too. I've come to terms with since opening up about having herpes myself and being able to just put that out into the world. Like I, I find that I'm bringing very honest and trusting and open people into my life. This is like. A big step for you because now you're gonna get that same openness and I I feel it. Like I said, your posture changed and you're smiling more, like it's in your voice. You've been uplifted or whatever was on your shoulders has been like lifted off. Yeah,
1: I needed to unpack that. One more thing I wanna add too is that I disclosed to eight of my platonic friends, and in those eight friends, actually four of them were living with um, herpes is some form of that, and one has HIV. So you just never really know what people are going through, and you can use your friends as a soundboard to disclose as well before you start disclosing to your potential partners.
0: Absolutely. Utilize your support systems. Yeah, yeah. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. If you did or did not like this episode, let me know why, and we can decide if more of this is needed or if it's not. Leave us a review on iTunes and Podbean and whatever website that you listen to. There's so many different podcast sites, Apple Podcasts and Google Play, Google Podcasts. That is helping us get the kind of attention from people who are open about their STI status so that we can get closer to destigmatizing this thing. And then, like I said, we're shifting the format of the podcast a little bit to share these stories of adversity and perseverance. I felt that this one was very important because we all need to be aware that there are, in fact, people who are struggling with disclosing. And again, I thank Jewel so much for joining us on this episode to talk about her own experience so that we can get broadened perspective on why it's important to talk about our sexual health, ours, to know our own, and then to open up the conversation to potential partners, all right? Till next time, stay positive.